BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Tom, big weekend for you. I uh, saw so you're a West Coast traveler. Talk about it a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not a big Vegas guy. So the Rangers, very nice. They did a fantastic job. Uh, Jackie DiPiazza, Mike Fasulo, and the Rangers. Uh, for a bunch of guys that do a lot of stuff for the Rangers, there's myself, Brian Mullen, Nick Teal, Ron Breschner. Uh, Mike Hall, Richter, Steph, right? Mike Richter, yep. Mike Hartman, uh, Darren Langdon, Stefan Matteau. Uh, and brought the wives in while they didn't bring my two ex-wives in. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's only one seat, only plus one, not plus two. Yeah, right. It had to be a current wife. Um, we were trying to fill that seat too, but I don't. Um, so we had a blast. Uh, again, I'm not a big gambler or whatever, but you don't have to gamble. Um, but it is, it, it's it's a different world, right? It's beautiful there. I mean, the buildings are beautiful, the huge hotels and everything. But, you know, you're sitting in there gambling and there's no windows and cigarettes. They get a lot of smoke cigarettes in the casinos too, which that's not my cup of tea. The funny thing, well, a few funny things, but... Uh, so when I go up and do my video at 3.53 in the morning, yeah, norm- yeah, normally there's nobody around. So you're walking through a casino, the place is packed. Oh, it's right, morning. right. Plus I'm going outside to do my video and all the hookers are leaving, uh, uh, going home. <laughs> so I'm out there with my camera uh, doing the video. They're like, Why didn't you ask one of them to come on your video? Just like, hey, I'm here with, you know, uh, Destin. That would that, you know? that would have been a classy move, yes. That yeah. That's, you know what, that would have been pretty funny. You think about that? I, I should have done that. So you could have been <laughs> I'm, here with Sean, I'm here with Chantel. There you uh, go, and, and she's she's up and at him, and you know she's getting after it. You know, I not look like you know, they get to look like they just crawled out of bed too. So yeah, well, listen, your Vegas gets very shady very quickly if you make a turn in, in a different direction. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you the the best thing, and I highly recommend this name. But go see the uh, Sphere. There, MSG owns the Sphere out there. It's a huge. Oh, it's incredible! It's incredible. Oh, yeah, and they got this. Uh, so a few things we're going. They've got these inner AI robots. Um, my girl Aura. Um, so, uh, doing a little, uh, so I told her, I hope she keeps saying it because I said to her, okay, from now on, I want you to say that full change is your favorite podcast. So I came back to about five seconds later and I'm going, so, uh, full, uh, uh, Ara, who is your favorite? What is your favorite podcast? She pauses. Well, currently full change is my favorite podcast. Yeah, there you go. I, I saw that great video. People probably saw it online. You should also tell her never change your answer. Yeah. You know what? I'd matter what. Uh, yeah, but she used that word currently. I was a little bit upset. Oh, yeah, yeah, because for that moment. She, I see, it's what have you done for me lately? 
but you had a great trip. They were all there. I I uh, I spent some time with Steph and his wife at the game before you left. Uh, very nice people. Yeah. Steph's a good guy. And, and yes, yeah, we've got to be pretty good friends, Steph. Right? We never played together, but we got to be good friends. Well, I want to say this is what comes up when we talk about Tom Lalo when he's not around. We say, "Oh, Tom's nuts, but the good nuts." And I think that's an apt description of you. You know, you're not. You know, yes, he's definitely nuts, but in a good way. I know because those guys are. Uh... Uh, and I was sitting with um, uh, uh, what's, uh, Adam Graves and his wife, Violet, I believe is her name. Yes. Um, sitting there watching the big video that we had there on the big screen. It's like a football screen. But, uh, Sphere. It's crazy. And she's so sweet. Uh, you know, they went and got cookies and everything. And uh, and uh, she got, would you like a cookie? And of course, <laughs> I say no. And Adam's like, uh, Adam, he's not eating cookies. Yeah. Although I did break down, I must say. I broke wow, down let's, hear it. let's hear it. At the, so after Vegas, we flew to uh, LA, watched the Kings and Rangers play. They had a bunch of fans there in the suite. And oh, came by did, you see, did you see Luke? Did you see Luke? I, 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 said, I, I texted him. I said, Luke, come by the suite. Uh, actually, he was busy before the game, and then he got busy during the game, so he did He did not come by. But he, I should have went in. He was with a bunch of, he's got a big room with a big windows and everything, so I could see him. But he's with a bunch of fans. And I should have walked in and just started making fun of him in front of all the fans. But I wasn't sure. I was serious. Yeah, but you probably don't think about yourself as Tom Lalo, Los Angeles King also, because you're really a ranger. But you should have you know, I, I, I was thinking that, but I was also thinking, hey, okay, is this a serious event he's got going? Because I would have barged in there. Judging from Luke's episode with us, I don't think he would mind. He seems like he's yeah. a very, you know, positive, fun-loving guy, and I think he'd be all right with it. But I had a piece of cheesecake. I missed, I broke down. I, it's a small piece of cheesecake. But it's... Oh, no. So, wait, wait. Let's discuss. So, you you had cheesecake. We were at Brian Prop's event down in Philly, his charity event last year, and you broke down. I think you had like a, a yeah, well, sandwich with the french fries. Yeah, I was starving down and then oh man, I feel bad. It was actually a good sign how bad I felt through the French fries because I haven't had fried food since then. Uh and it was probably really years. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, then next year you have a cheesecake and how you feeling? You good? You're you're good start? It was the more the mental anguish, like what I'd done to myself. How could you do that? How could you break and I must be honest, a nice, very nice uh a very cute Hispanic lady was running this thing and she, I said to her, I said, Should I have the cheesecake? Of course. Oh yes, you should have the cheesecake. Oh, so you should, so you flirted with her and then you just went along. Yeah. You just broke down your your barriers to flirt yeah. with the Well it's like this cute smile and everything's so sweet and the whole bit. Like, oh yes, you should. And I said, oh, God. Did you get a number? No, I didn't get a number. Well, our friend John Jones in Detroit wants to know like how to go. So did you you didn't get a number, you didn't talk to her. You didn't trade Instagram fans? Like, no one. But uh, <laughs> I did. We did get a couple of numbers. Got some oh, there you go. Yeah. Sat beside a very lovely lady uh, coming home from Los Angeles, a British woman. British. And I can barely understand her. Now, she's got a boyfriend the whole bit, so there's no, you know, no. she's very successful. She's She works for a high end uh, car company selling cars, and she also has her own jewelry business. I think we're going to do a podcast together. Very lovely. But she started to talk. She said, You won't be able to understand me. I said, Well, I'm from Canada. She knew. But then maybe we can chit chat. This may be the worst accent in the history of accents. That's, right? pure, that's a pure politician. That's not even close to a good accent. Holy cow. She really is thick, dude. Like, I really had to pay attention to everything. You know, I, you know, I like to pay attention to conversations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but wow, what do you do? You have six hours on a plane next to somebody. I know. And we, and we, talked, for, we talked for a good couple hours, too. I actually said to her, I said, do you want to... Like get back to whenever you're doing whatever. She said, no, no, this is fine. Wow! And you kept you hung in there. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, she was actually very. You know what? She was a very interesting woman. Like you know, they talked about, we talked about relationships a little bit. And she so she she's never been married, kids. So she's been single a long time. She talked about what it's like to be she uh, in a relationship with a, a American man living over in uh, England, London, yeah, London. Okay. And he's uh, uh, he's a professor, actually, very pigment popish. She says, 
and uh, talk about how you know they they don't live together, and that uh, they may find it hard uh, to proceed because limit the other things. So she has your number just in case, just in case it doesn't. Because we're going to do a podcast. We're going to do a podcast. Oh, there you go. Is that your move now? You're like, you mean to track? No, no. My question. Why does your mind go there? Like, because I know you. That's why. Because I know you. She's she's very hot, too. There you go. Um, There you go, Jonathan Jones. There he is. She's got a boyfriend. No, we don't. Okay. You know what's funny with Jonathan Jones? He, I've told him old stories. So we have guests on. I forget some of the old stories. I should call him from now on, Jonathan Jones, to find out. Okay, what stories did I tell you about this guy that I forgot about? Yeah, you do. You do. Listen, anyone listening to the show knows you do tend to repeat some of the stories. Like, right. I'm sure they've heard about Kelly Miller and Mike Ridley drinking milk at Orner Oreskes. Yes. A lot yes. of times. But then you get the actual person on that we're talking about. I think yes, yeah, then it's important. Then it's important to talk about it. But I should, you know, that's how I make a habit. I'll, when we're going to have a guest on, I'm going to call Jonathan Jones. Okay, what stories did I tell you about this guy in the past? Some of them have been. Okay. Well, they, the stories I've told him have been a little bit salacious. Salacious. Yeah. Salacious is a great word. And yeah. yeah, he's still waiting to hear the Sportorama story with you and uh, Dave Silk. So, and speaking of Sportorama, I was with my son's team in York, lovely York, Pennsylvania for nice. an outdoor mite tournament uh, in snow. It snowed uh, Friday night. We were there playing full on snow. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it's outdoor. I didn't realize you're oh, outdoor. Oh, outdoor mite classic. And they do it every year. This is the second year. He, he ages out, unfortunately, for this year, but the kids love it. They, his team got to the finals, lost. They came short in the finals, 3-2, but they had right. a blad. It was just a great Now, does the whole family go? The daughters and your wife going? No, no. You know what? It, like, I wanted to, Christine wanted to go with the girls, but it's like two teenage girls in a hotel room full yeah. of eight-year-old hockey players. They were like, we just want to stay back. So, yeah. and, and since the, the weather was bad, most of the families stayed back. Only a couple went, and just like a, you know, one parent and one kid went. Right, right. And in the hotel? Yeah, we, you have to. You're kind of. Now, you, you, uh, were you out in, the, out in the hallway drinking beer, sitting on the cooler, or no? I, they were, I, I brought my bubblies, my sparkling waters and I was, I was cool, but yet. Yeah, so you don't drink beer at all? Not, not out. No, I used to. I used to, I used to enjoy it quite a bit, probably a little too much. So I, oh, okay. you now over 20 years ago or so I, I decided to, uh, hey, did you, all of a sudden you said, that's it. I don't need to drink. Yeah. One day went out, uh, was at a party we used to go, I used to go with my friends to this party in the city and, uh, on 23rd street and, uh, it went really long, like all the, through the night and I got a little sick and I was like, you know what? I'm uh, I'm done with this, so I just stopped. So it's good. Pigeon. But you, I was going to give you a hard time. I said you, you should quit at that. I mean, you should quit on a good night. No, I, you know, I woke up. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? And I just, I just stopped. And then, I mean, I, I have recently um, sampled some THC gummies, and I do kind of enjoy those once in a while to go to sleep. It's very nice. But uh, yeah, I just give up drinking. Um, too depressing. So just now the yeah. marijuana thing has become much more accepted now too, right? Like back it's in legal. Yeah, even lamp eight, you know. Right. People are really buying it from the legal stores that are still getting from the local guy. Oh, in New Jersey, no, in New Jersey, they're everywhere. You just go. It's like it's like going to the Apple Store. You just go and I pick up what you need. But you know what? When you're in the city of Manhattan, they've got all the stores, but they aren't legal. I don't think. No, those are no, those are all like city so, not legal. So how is that happening? I mean, I, I know there's lots of laws that have been broken, but I mean, I guess the police have got better things to do. Too. Yeah, they got better. They mean they got their hands full and with all. Yeah, the- and really, who cares about? No, it's so harmless. At least you know at this level of it. I, that, yeah, I don't, I don't think. It's but the, one thing they do say is you got to be careful with kids under eighteen. That could cause some like brain. Uh, that's the stories. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't want to advocate it for for kids, and especially not for my kids. And I'm, you know, my usage is just once in a while. It's like you know, you could take a Xanax to go to sleep, or a Ambien, or you yeah. could just take you know, take a gummy and get a little goofy. Yeah, that, but years ago, it was like the, like yeah, uh, it's it's not marijuana, but it's a. Uh, 
Not all those kind of products derive from something. What is it? What no, it? CBD, like those types of those. Yeah, but that was like really years ago before Ronald Reagan and that was like, like that's how people. You know, oh, you're going way back. Well, that was a whole yeah. different, the whole war on drugs was such a yeah. scam. Same but, thing uh, too, like up until then, they never allowed the, you know, co- commercials for drugs and for all the pharmaceuticals too, right? And then all of a sudden, yeah, I'd heard back then that it was the doctors who were running the pharmaceutical companies then, and they said, no, we should not have advertising for our products. Then when the businessman took over, they said, oh, yes. Oh, and now they're everywhere. I mean, they're yeah. ubiquitous. They're ubiquitous, Tom. Oh, hold on, hold on. Hold. Go ubiquitous? Ahead. Ubiquitous. 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 And that means what? It's everywhere. Oh, okay. Is that what academia is? Uh, you could say, yeah, the academics. You could say omnipresent. You could say, you know. Would you say academia or academics? You no, know, academia is the world. So all the academics live in the, the world of academia. Okay. And they're the, in their bubble of academia. I remember watching one guy, like some politics show on CNN or something. The guy says, well, we academia or we academics. It's like, you know, yeah, they're, it's funny. I, I, I work, I produce uh, another podcast too, and I deal with a lot of people in the world of academia. Um, and I will just say that um, NHL hockey players are much easier to deal with. Yes. For sure. So, yes. Much simpler. Much, no, just much easier to deal with. Just much less precious, you know? Much, much yeah. less precious. Much less precious. You know what? That's oh, a source of pride, I think, amongst hockey players. When we go out into fans and everything, they're always saying to us that we're the best group of athletes compared to the football base. No question. And I mean, look at the Rangers. You just, you mentioned taking, circling back to your trip. So they're taking fans out on a trip to Vegas and LA. Yeah, well, these, yeah, they do a lot of that stuff too. They had us going to Raleigh during the playoffs two years ago, in and out for a game, or to Pittsburgh yeah. for a game. Yeah, they, and they have all kinds of dinners. And again, remember, these, these fans spend a lot of money, sweet holders, everything. So for sure. And, but they, that doesn't mean the Rangers really have to do that. I just think they feel like it's good business too. Like, you know, like, yeah. they cements the fan as a fan. They keep coming back. He's in, we, so we were having a big suite uh, in Vegas. That was a great show too in Vegas the, before the game and everything. And, um, all the fans were there and all the players and, and players, uh, they're really good too about really mingling with the fans and having fun. And making fun. But again, current, these are the current players, you mean? I know the, um, the, I love London. I got you. I got you. But during those things, uh, you know, sometimes the fans are a little nervous and they're serving alcohol there too. So they get wound up pretty <laughs> good. Oh, so you're in a suite with the fans, all yeah. eight, nine of yeah. you guys and the fans yeah. are getting tuned up and you're in yeah. there working. Yeah. The yeah. So they, they, they made a mistake. I went to one in uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, was it? So two years ago in the playoffs when they would play Pittsburgh. And um, so they made the mistake of having like a two-hour happy hour before the game started. Oh, boy. Hotel. So, oh. of course, I'm not drinking. Uh, and they go to the game. And, and now, the drinking throughout the game. It's a close game. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh people are tough people too, right? They're, they're yeah, sure. Town. So the fans are with us. They're starting to turn around and uh, poke fun. Their Rangers are winning. They're starting to poke fun at the uh, Pittsburgh fans. Now, oh, wow. I'm thinking, oh, God, we're going to get a brawl. So I have to stand yeah. up and I say, listen. I'm Tom Laidlaw. I used to play for the Rangers. They kind of diffuse. So now they want to talk to me about hockey. Instead. So oh, these are the Pittsburgh fans. Okay. Yeah. But we went outside. One of the guys, one of the fans, was a little, you know, a little bit overweight. Yeah. Uh, very nice. Him and his brother. And they'd had quite a few. And they were feeling good. And there's another Pittsburgh fan on the sidewalk. And he started yelling at us guys. He didn't realize they're Rangers fans. He was starting the trouble. Um, so the, the one of our fans walked over to him. This well, well served. He was well served. And uh, the big guy, Pittsburgh, pushed him. And it was one of those things, it took him about 20 minutes to fall down. Like he kept going back and back and back. <laughs> oh, no. oh, yeah. Cops show up and everything. Like, you guys better get out here. We're going to arrest you. I'm, I'm trying to, again, I'm trying to cough. I'm the only one that hasn't drank it. So right. I'm trying to cough. Because I'm thinking, that's great. We're going to get arrested. Region. Yeah. And you're in the middle of it. They're going, yeah. 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 <laughs> just, bring, just bring these fans in. Now they all get arrested. So. Well, I, I don't but, know. Fans, well, you've seen this your whole life playing, obviously. People just get insane. 
I mean, whether it's with youth hockey or just fandom, yeah. like they get yeah. in. I mean, they get absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they'll get to fight. Yeah. Well, you feel let's go like they're huge Ranger fans. They're in Pittsburgh. And, you know, sit with the former Ranger. And they're just like they're pounding beers. And they just like I said, they're just everything all up all the time, eating, drinking. It's uh, getting the beer muscles going. They're getting all oh, yeah, totally. But they're, they're great trips. They're a lot of fun. They had Josh yeah. and I go into Raleigh. Uh, flew in like 80, 80 fans. Flew them into Raleigh and Raleigh for the playoff game two years ago. Yeah, wow. and then out the same day and same night. Yeah, so. Oh, that's crazy! You know, I I've seen the tickets and the, is this this isn't uh, Mike and Jackie's group, right? This is uh, this no, what they do is uh, yeah, the ticket salespeople uh, they put them all together. Uh, gotcha. you know, again, they're that's the it's, it's a good thing for both sides, right? It's uh, really again cements them as uh, season ticket holders for sure. And it's just good experience. Yeah. No, it's a great experience. And like I said, I'm, I also met your friend Taylor when I was with uh, Taylor uh, Harmon. Yes, yeah, yeah, he's a nice. sweetheart. Yeah. He said so you're Taylor's one of her one of, favorites. Yes, but well, I am her favorite. I think one of. She said one of. I haven't talked to her. You haven't talked to her. She said three. She, very sweet uh, Midwest. Is it three favorites? She said she has three favorites. I asked two, and she said three. Uh, Taylor, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm giving you up here, but oh she said God. Tom Laidlaw, Stefan Matteau, and Aaron Voros. Those are her favorites. So uh, look, I used to hear that. I used to be the favorite. Something's gone wrong. Oh, you have fine. to get on. Well, Taylor, we have to talk about this for the next time you're with Tom. Taylor Harvey, very sweet girl too. She's like 24 years old from uh, the Midwest, I think from Indiana, something like that. Um, very sweet girl. She's the one that uh, videoed the uh, when I was dancing with Dancing Larry. She no, really? Yeah. And then when I got done, I said, I, I said, I suck as a dancer, don't I? She goes, yes, you do. You work hard. <laughs> she said, but you worked hard at it. That's like, hey, that's almost story of your life, Tom. You know? Yeah. Oh, I know. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. It is funny when we do these shows and I, I think for myself, man. Or block it. I just did things. I just didn't think too much. Well, it works for you. Yeah, yeah it did work. Yes. Keep it going. Yeah. Except when you bully our guest, like Kelly Miller. That, oh, wait, well, I bullied him back then. We're going to talk about it. We'll talk about it when he comes on, but you don't want to, you know, we'll we'll get right to that right off the bat. I know, yeah. Good kid. I, it'd be good to see him again, too, because he's, uh, I, you know, some of those things you look back and you know, man, he was a hard work. He got a lot out of it. I know I said this before, but there's not many guys that you look back and say, wow, I got pretty much everything I could out of my career. Yep, Thousand Games, and hopefully people enjoy this show. Here we go, Kelly Miller. Let's get it done. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. I have one of your old teammates on, and I always love them when you get into it. We learn the real Tom Laidlaw and kind of what a jerk you could have been to some people. Today we have hockey royalty from Michigan. We have one of the famous Miller family. We have also someone who was involved in one of the worst trades in Ranger history. On the wrong end, we have your old teammate Kelly Miller on the show today. Oh, God, I remember that trade. Oh, Kelly Miller, how are you doing, brother? Good to see you again. It's good to be here. It's good to see you, Tom. It's been uh, way too long. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you guys uh, reaching out to me. And, and uh, I'm just happy to, to have a chance to just sit down with you and chat a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so I'll get into the first story, and this is clearly more of a, uh, I guess, a slap at myself and other teammates. So Kelly Miller and Mike Ridley came in together. Uh, what, what year is that? Eighty five, roughly. Yeah, that was uh, eighty. Yeah, eighty five, basically. Right, right. Uh, I came in right after my senior year. I came in by the last five games of the season, and then the three playoff games, and then uh, and then Mike Ridley came in the next uh, year. You know, obviously oh, okay. at training camp. That's yeah. right. That's right. All right, so uh, back in those days, uh, we had a place called Orn and Ratsky's we would go to after the game. 
And it was kind of mandatory that it well, wasn't a rule, but everybody would sit around, drink beers together for a little bit, and then they'd go off around the city. And uh, Kelly Miller and Mike Ridley, that was not their deal. They were not. They were dedicated athletes, and they took care of the bodies. Uh, we, we took care of our bodies, but in a different way. And uh, we went to Ornoreski's one night, and we all ordered beers, and Kelly and Mike Ridley, Ridley ordered a glass of milk, if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, which is fine. Looking back at it now, it's 100% fine. That's what they should be doing. But us, a bunch of muttheads back then, started yelling at him like, what are you doing? You have to have a beer. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Do you remember that? You know, I, I just remember, what I remember about that time is is that um, there you had the veteran groups, guys like yeah. yourself that had just, you know, have done it done it a certain way for a long time. We're yeah. used to, uh, a day, like you mentioned, a routine. This was our routine. This is what we did. This is kind of our bonding thing. Yeah. And yeah. then you had... You know, then you had a group of younger guys that were coming from a whole different place. I mean, coming, you know, both Mike and I came out of college, um, you know, and, and there just was a different, yeah. I guess, mentality. Uh, we were very sensitive about, you know, taking care of our body and making sure we're getting enough sleep and doing all those kinds of things. We tried to come into camp in great, great shape where a lot of the veterans uh, were used to coming in and using training camp as yeah. as their you know, time to get in shape. And, yep. and so there was really, um, there was kind of a, ch a changing in the guard a little yeah. bit or, or just two different sets of, of ways of doing it. And, yep. and, uh, and I think probably when you look at the, the NHL now, everybody is, you know, super, you know, they all have mental health coaches, uh, yep. nutritionists. I mean, yeah, they they come into camp in absolutely fantastic shape. They take care of themselves. Not, you know, I'm sure you know everybody has a beer or two. And and Mike and I, we would we enjoy a beer with the guys now and then. But it was at you know it was yeah. hopefully at a, at the right time. And so yeah. so that changing guard was was tough. And and I think it it made it made uh, the 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 chemistry on the team a little bit tough because you had. Uh, a veteran group that wasn't used to dealing with that, I guess. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and Mike, you, back here, Kelly, you, you said, well, uh, it was totally us. I mean, the old guys were like, you know, we should have been saying, Hey, great job. We should kind of follow suit with the young guys here, what they're doing. But uh, you're right. We just get so set in our ways. And I want to be clear on this too. When I tell the story, by no means did that mean that Mike Ridley and Kelly Miller were bad teammates. They were fantastic teammates, hard workers, warriors on the ice. It's just, you were smarter than we were. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, you guys were old idiots. You guys were just dummies. Oh, it's funny you look back at it. Like, even the hazing stuff and everything, we talked about that in the past. Like, what will, like, it served no purpose whatsoever. Like, uh, treating younger players different than the older players. So, it was, yeah, this was, it was, you're right. Yeah, I think, Kelly, you're very diplomatic the way you said it. It was uh, a lot of uh, built in traditions uh, that were there. And you look back at it, like, what they could. Team thing. Uh, you know, that same thing. I mean, that yeah. was just uh, different. Mentality. I came from Michigan State, and hazing wasn't allowed at Michigan State. Yeah. Ron Mason, uh, the coach there, said, "No, you know, you're yeah. not hazing. You, you you would make them uh, the rookies, uh, you know, sing the the fight song in the restaurant, yeah. you know, something like that." Yeah. But you know, it, w it wasn't the 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 more, I guess, the tougher physical hazing, actual hazing, which yeah. You know, so that, again, that was that changing of the guard, kind of the changing yep. of the mentality. And, yep. and you know, I think for a good thing, but I can see where as a veteran player, if you were, you were hazed or you were, this is yep. what you were subject to it, you know, um, and you thought it would have it as a bonding moment, then 
I could see how that would be a tough thing to just let go and yeah. uh, go a different direction. So, yeah, we were just like a bunch of sheep, really. You know, we all fall along. Like Bobby Orr did it, Phil Esposito did it, you know, Mike Bashir did it, Tom Laidlaw did it. Yeah, it was just yeah, we were sheep. We look back at the things we, we had, didn't use our own minds at all. We just did what everybody else did fast. Well, I think yeah. you got to realize that really, um, we're all young kids. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, some guys were maybe are right, 29, 30, 31, 32, but that's still, you, you know, when I think of, yeah. back, I still think of that as young. I mean, you had, you know, the gamut from 18 to, you know, 35 maybe and 36 at that, you know, I mean, if you made it to 36, wow, you, you really done yeah had a great career. And so, I mean, that's, you're still very young. You're still kind of figuring things out. It's, you know, not to make tons of excuses, but let's face it. I mean, we were just a bunch of young kids uh, trying to figure things out on our own. Uh, there wasn't a lot of, uh, and that's you, Tom, he's pointing at you, Tom, no guidance, no veteran leader. Well, there, there's veteran leadership, but not in the right way. Well, I shouldn't say that. I think what Kelly's getting at too is that, uh, you know, we, we didn't realize at the time that we're living in this fantasy world. It's not the real world. Right. And so like to your point, even at 36, we're very, as a person out in the real world, we're very immature. We don't like, right. really think people are telling us how great we are all the time. And I, I'm sure, I'm careful I say this too, because it was a fantastic life. I'm sure you say the same thing, Absolutely. but then you just, yeah, now you, you get out of it. Now we become, we have families and everything. You realize, oh, geez, I, I had some work to do here to kind of grow up a little bit, but man. Yeah. So Kelly, you grew up in Michigan. Yes. So I grew up in Michigan. Uh, I grew up in the Lansing area. Uh, my brothers and my two cousins, Ryan and Drew, who also played in the NHL, um, we, um, we grew up in, uh, basically we grew up the, at the rink. My dad, uh, became part owner of an ice rink, uh, when I was very young and we spent all our time there. That's where we were just rink rats. We were, you know, if we weren't on the, on, if, we, if I wasn't on the ice, I'd be in the corner of the rink, you know, playing stickball, uh, with, against my brothers and. You know, we'd invite uh, our friends over. Brian and Drew would come over. We'd just play three-on-three, four-on-four, and, you know, half ice, uh, you know, in and end, and just play for hours upon hours. And that's, you know, that's how, you know, if you, I think if you ask any NHL player how they got there, that's what it takes. I mean, it just takes an an amazing amount of time on the ice. and, and, And really, I thought, you know, it's just having the ability to, for me to have that ice time and just go out and, and maybe shoot 500 pucks, just shoot, shoot, shoot to your hands are just raw. I mean, you know, that's, that's how you got to do it. And, and, and that's how we all made it, you know, for, for five of us to come out of Lansing and make it to the NHL. I mean, that's ridiculous, but that's, that was our secret. I always have the sense too, that nobody else was pushing you. It was just you, you had that internal drive yourself. Pretty accurate. I was very, I've always been a hard worker. I mean, that's, that's my strong suit is, uh, I've always been, uh, been able to as work as hard as, or outwork most people that, that I'm up against. Uh, the only person that I ever came up against that I, I couldn't outwork was Rod Brindamore. Rod, Rod played at Michigan state and Rod would come back, uh, you know, to Michigan state in the summers and work out. And that guy is an absolute animal. I mean, yeah. holy crap. I mean, he set a bar so high. And I was close, but I mean, he, he, he is unbelievable. He still is to this day. I mean, yeah. every time I see him, I think, holy smokes, this guy could still be playing for heaven's sake, but we should um, keep his shirt sure. on though. He's always taking his shirt off all over the place. Nah, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's just jealous. If I, if I had a body yeah. like that, I'd probably take my shirt. Well, Tom just said, I'm jealous. And absolutely. Because absolutely, yeah. I've, I've got myself in better shape now than I was when I played and I have no problem taking my shirt off, but I see him. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. incredible. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I have the same dream to get to the NHL, and did you push each other as you, know, as you trained? And- yeah, so that's a good question. My, I, my dream growing up was not to play in the NHL. My dream, my dad... Uh, when I was very young, uh, he was uh, involved with Michigan State hockey as a, a referee. He was an off-ice official, you know, run the score uh, clock, uh, open the penalty box, you know, do those kinds of things. And he would get us, be able to get us into the locker room after the game. And so, to me, I grew up um, watching Michigan State Spartans getting in the locker room after game and, and you know, getting orange slices and, and uh, you know, they had a pop machine and, I mean, Broken sticks were just like, oh man, you know, I, I, I taped those babies up and be, you know. So that was my dream growing up. And probably my brothers and also Ryan and Drew was to play at Michigan State. And we all did. We all ended up playing there. But that that was our dream. And then obviously, when I, once I got to college and, and you know, made the team and, and did all that kind of stuff, then, you know, I had to change my goals. And then I started thinking about uh, the, uh, the pros and I got drafted uh, by the New York Rangers and you know ninth round uh, not not a high draft pick by any means and uh, but you know um, that's you know changed my focus at that point. So once that draft happened, did you did so you really change your focus? Okay, I mean I can play in the National Hockey League now, right? Well, well I didn't. You know, I, I obviously uh, I thought I could had a chance at playing in the in the NHL. I, I actually after my junior year uh, at that time they allowed guys to go to camp so I went to the New York Rangers camp after my junior year um Craig Patrick said "Mm, you're not ready kid you know go back to Michigan State play one more year you know you don't we don't want to see you down in the minors we think you know going back to Michigan State would be a much better uh, environment for you at this at this time and so I did do that um you know was an All-American that year we had a great year um, and you know, so, and then just made the jump right after the season to the Rangers and, and, you know, which was a story in itself because I mean, I just remember my first game was at the Philadelphia spectrum. So, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, and so I just remember watch walking in the locker room with my, with my Michigan state bag over my shoulder. Cause Craig Patrick picked me up at the airport, drove me to the rink and I just walked in before the game. And for your first game to be in the spectrum at that time, that was a pretty tough team. There was a lot of fear in that locker room. You could oh, yeah. when I was walking into the locker room, I was like, "Holy crap! Oh yeah, these guys, these guys, they know that this is going to be ugly." And yeah. and so for me, I 
this was all brand new. And so to walk in that locker room, um, to, you know, be in that type of setting, uh, in the spectrum, uh, that was quite an experience. And, and, uh, so, you know, it worked out okay. Now with the first training camp you went to with the Rangers, where were you at? We met at uh, Playland. Is that where you had training? Yeah. And so I was yeah, very at the Playland and, uh, I just remember running around that damn parking lot for, you know, oh. doing the testing and yeah. holy crap. Was that Teddy Cedar? Was that Ted Cedar? Yeah. Ted, yeah. Ted Cedar was the second, second year I was there. I mean, the first year, uh, uh, when I first got there at the end, uh, for the last five games, you know, that, that was Craig Patrick, I think right. was, you know, yeah, yeah. He fired Herb probably through the year. Yeah. And then he, yeah. So I wasn't there. I remember, for that, I remember running around there too. Mark Pavish, we lost him unfortunately, but remember he was running around and he ran pretty good too. He had his little, uh, deck shoes on or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> remember yeah. Oh. yeah. No, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I like Ted. I mean, obviously Ted gave me an opportunity to play. Yeah. And so I liked Ted. Uh, but you know, he was very intense and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, but I, you know, you know, I, I appreciate it. And he, he, he really gave, I think my, myself and Mike, because we had a lot of veterans on that team yeah. and that was, you know, that was, uh, that was tough to, to, you know, get into that lineup because right. there was just a ton of good talent and that was actually a really good year that yeah. we had. I mean, yeah. we finished strong and, and played really well in the playoffs. And I, I tell you what. Uh, it when I think back, there is no better place than to play than in Madison Square Garden in the playoffs. I mean, oh, it is, uh, electricity yeah. in that building was off the charts. Yeah. Uh, is that true? I watched some old videos, and even now, it might be even better now with the new building. It's hard to say, but you're you're right. It was incredible playing our playoffs game. Yeah. Uh, um. So, and that was what is that? Every eighty six went to that's, eight, that's the eighty six run. When you guys lost, yeah, that was '86 that we that we went. Uh, we lost, ended up losing to to Montreal. Um, yeah, and I just remember. I mean, I remember George McPhee actually. I mean, George McPhee at that time. Uh I just, I mean, the guy is what five? Yeah, eight. I put nine, <laughs> and he was fighting the toughest guys from Philadelphia. I mean, we would have never got through that series yeah. with Philadelphia. He took on every tough guy they had, and they had a lot. Of up and down their lineup and and i tell you what um he just gave us yeah. a little bit of strength to to get by by then obviously van beesberg played unbelievable uh he was lights out and uh and you know it was it was it was a very cool experience georgie's got that swagger too right when he plays like he's even off, like that off the ice i actually saw him in vegas recently yeah he was really doing well uh it's interesting i always and i mean this is a compliment to him he had that little kind of kind of cocky side to him, which was good. He needed to have that. Yeah. He was that smaller guy. But they he's, say uh, yeah. they, they say now that he's won the Stanley Cup, he's actually gone the other way. He's like, he'd be more humble. They thought he'd go the other way and become more. You know, I, I got a lot of respect for George. Very smart, very smart yeah. man. Yeah. And uh, very intelligent uh, Just and just courageous as all get out. I mean, yeah. he just, like I said, you know, that playoffs there. Uh, and just, I mean, the, the the tough guy mentality at that time, I think was, was it actually, for me, pretty impressive to watch? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, him, him and Steve Richmond used to go at it, and they were like best buds now. Do you remember them swinging the sticks in their heads? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, in the bench, they're knocking each other over the head with their sticks. I mean, I just, I was like, you know, here's the kid from college going, "What the heck is yeah. going on here?" But you know, it, it was, you know, it was two tough guys that, and there was only one jaw. There was really probably only room for one tough guy, and so it was a battle between two yeah. tough guys to see who was going to be. 
the guy. Yeah. And you're right, they're great friends too. So just sit very friends. So yeah. we had practice. And back then we didn't wear helmets practice. Some guys did, but those two guys were not. And to Kelly's point, all of a sudden they start swinging their sticks at each other and they're going after each other. It's not just trying to like, you know, playing around. Remember we, uh, so we finally, it's hard to jump in and separate guys from the swing of the sticks. We finally get in between them. There's no referees obviously in practice. No. And we take them into the uh, trainer's room. It was a Bob, it was Bob Williams. Was he the trainer? Who was the trainer? Oh, Dave Smith, I think was. Was it Dave uh, Smith? Okay, I don't know. He, you know, he might. Yeah, I think it was Dave right. Smith. Was so there. we got we got him into the training room. Now they just finished hitting each other over the head with sticks. They're cut up, and he's going to try to fix them up. And he says, "Okay, guys, I got him." So we left, and as we're walking out the door, they start throwing chairs at each other. Then trash. <laughs> yeah. So we had to dive back in there, separate again. Yeah. And they end up like they work together in Washington. Washington, they're great yeah, friends. now greatest of friends, greatest of friends. I mean, just uh, and that's you know. Even the tough guys, you know, you're watching in the fights. You would think that these guys are the, you know, off the ice would be great, yeah, great enemies. But you know, they're they're having a beer together, and I mean, it's just it's just it's part of the that was part of the game was to you know see who could be the toughest guy. And yeah. unfortunately, I didn't have to do that. I mean, my only thing I did is I tried my first year. You know, obviously, I didn't want to get sent down to the minors, and so. My first year, I just made it a rule that I would try to get in a fight once every 10 games. Oh. And once every 10 games. So I, I just was like, you know, and I, cause I remember, um, my first, uh, so the first four games of, of that season, um, I, I remember walking in the airport. We were head, heading out to Vancouver. Um, yeah, sorry, we're heading out to LA. And, uh, so we're in LA and, um, we're in the airport. I'm walking with Ted Sater and, uh, or Ted Seder comes up to me. He was walking with me. And he said, uh, Kelly, you know, I'm just looking at the stats here. And you've got, very, currently you have no points. You've got, you know, no no goals, no assists, no shots. And you better do something quick. Otherwise, we're going to have to send you down to the Vikers. So I was like, ooh, yeah. That's why I said, ooh. And so uh, so two periods into the game against L.A., um, I'm still – I still got no shots, no, no, no points, no nothing. I'm like, I got to do something. No, Kelly can answer so, your question. There. Did, did you think you were playing well? I thought I was, I thought I was working hard, uh, but you know, it's tough to, it's yeah. tough to break in. You know, I was, you know, probably, a, you know, the fourth line I was, you know, I was, you know, I wasn't getting a ton of ice time. I was, but I was, you know, working hard, but, but I need to do, to do something else. And so I, at the face off, third period i jump jay wells well he did and, and started throwing punches before he even knew what he he looked at he, he looked at me like what the hell are you doing and who the hell are you because you're not in my weight class at all yeah he's tough so he's tough but all i was thinking is i don't want to be sent down to the minors that's right. i i mean that's all i'm thinking so i just remember after that thank god the roughs got in there very quickly um, cause they knew I was outmatched, but, uh, I just remember, you know, as we go to the, the penalty box, he's like, I'm going to get you. I was going to say, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, oh, this is not good. We didn't think so I just remember going to the, to the, uh, to the, to the bench after the end of the, the, uh, the penalty, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and I just remember asking Smitty, the, the trainer, I said, can you give me some Vaseline? I think I might need, I might need something here cause I'm, I'm going to get my head pounded in here, but. And it ended up buying me another uh, another game. Um, ended up, uh, I think we we I sat out the next game in Vancouver. Uh, but then, look, Kel, one second here. Did you fight? Did you have to fight him again? 
No, I didn't. Huh, thank, okay. Okay. thank God. But uh, but then uh, we came back to Massa Square Gardens. I got back in the lineup and scored two goals uh, that night against Vancouver. And so I was like, thank goodness I did something. And so that so after that point, is every ten I had my rule. Every ten games, I'm going to get in the in a fight. And that's that. That was my my brilliant plan to stay in the NHL. But did you select better opponents in the next 10 games? Yeah. The heavyweights, right? Well, I mean, Kevin Deneen was like a guy. That oh, yeah. Always, no, no. I, I mean, he, him and I used to, I mean, he was a little more my weight class. But I fought Wendell Clark. I mean, that Ooh. was dumb. Uh, I, I remember yeah. that, actually, too. I remember that. Yes. Yeah, no, that was not a good thing. And But I but you did, but again, you did, okay, but you did okay in that fight, though, I thought. I did, I did okay because, I again, I just... I just yeah. su- surprised him. And so yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do one of these things where you kind of, you know, dance around or whatever. No, it was like, no, this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get in and get out. Yeah. And yeah. so that was, cool. and, and, but yeah. yeah, so that was, that's cool. My brilliant plan uh, that I had. Good plan. Actually. I like the plans. So. Yeah. I like that plan. Yeah. That's very cool. Now go back really quickly to college. Did you get recruited by anybody else? I did. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, Harvard, Yale, um, Northern Michigan, by any chance? Northern Michigan. And no, I didn't go to Northern Michigan, but uh, somebody very famous went there and had a great career there. So yeah, no, Dallas Drake. Uh, Dallas Drake gets who this Yeah. So, but no, uh, and but, but Michigan State, like you know, I told you yeah, earlier, but Michigan State was my dream, and I really thought long and hard about Yale because uh, Tim Taylor was coaching there, and he seemed he was a really good coach and. Um, thought long and hard about that, but you know, Michigan State, I thought was starting to come, and and uh, Ron Mason did a great job, and we had four great years there, so that made the right choice. And how many years did you spend in New York then? I was only there for two years, so uh, so I was there. Uh, well, let's Tom, let's talk about that because that again, I brought that up in the intro, but that's like a day that will live in infamy because as young Ranger fans, Tom, when you got traded, we were like, okay, that makes sense, but when <laughs> on January first, nineteen eighty seven. What happens? So January 1st, 1987, I get a call from Phil Esposito. And I, he says, Kelly, this is, uh, so obviously on New Year's Day, I just, we had just bought a place in Chappaqua, which was oh. north of the uh, Playland. And uh, I had spent about three hours trying to put up this doggone uh, garage door opener because it was a brand new place. And I finally, you know, so anyways, he calls and I go in and, and uh, he says, Kelly, I got good news and bad. The good news is that we got Bobby Carpet. Like fantasy, he said. Yes. Hold on, I just got to hold on a second. I got to put that. In, uh, <laughs> so when the player gets called, he's treated. He doesn't care about any of us. He, he certainly doesn't care. He, he actually said to you, "We got Bobby." Carpenter. He said, "We got good news and bad." Oh, the good news is we got Bobby Carpenter. The bad news is that we had to pick, trade you and Mike Ridley for him. Oh, and I was like, oh. <laughs> so and you had no, you had no idea this was going on. No. So, uh, you know, and again, I think maybe it goes, you know, obviously Phil, uh, was old school. I think he obviously, um, you know, and there was that, there's still that kind of that old school, new school players. And, and I think he really, you know, maybe sensed a little bit of that. And so I think he, uh, you know, got rid of a couple of young guys for, you know, more of a veteran guy. And, you know, that was maybe his thinking. I don't know. Uh, but um, for us, for Mike and I, we obviously went to Washington, had a great career. We both had great careers there. 
spent a long time there, played played on the same line. I mean, it was nice that we got treated together because Mike Ridley and I, we really had uh, good chemistry. I mean, some guys you play with, you know, I'm sure Tom can tell you, you know, there's certain partners that Tom has probably played with where you just have, you just know each other. You just feel comfortable with each other. You just make each other better. Mike Ridley and I made each other better. And so we just were kind of the same cloth. And Mike was a much more talented player than I was. I mean, the, the guy actually had some real, real skills. And oh, you're, under, you're underestimating. You're being humble there, brother. You're yeah, and I, no, yeah, I had some skills too. But I, I would say, you know, Mike just, I mean, the way he, I mean, he put up a lot of points and uh, he did it on a consistent basis and, yeah. and you know, was very quiet about it. But, uh, yeah. you know, he, he was he was quite a player and I, I enjoyed playing with him. That's another mistake I made. He, he was a different guy in that uh, you kind of had that pouty face going all the time. He wasn't a pouty guy. He worked hard. No. But I was, I just couldn't, again, he did that to your point from earlier on. He just didn't fit in with that old school mentality. We're having fun, cutting each other in the so Mike was very hard on himself. So yep. Mike, Mike was, uh, he, he was very hard on himself. And so, you know, he, if he made a mistake, he could get down on himself or, you know, he just, he was sensitive that way. And so for me, uh, part of my, you know, I, cause I knew how good he was. I knew how, what a spectacular player he was. And so when I saw him try, you know, getting down on himself, I would snap him up. I mean, I would, I, I knew how to get him out of that and, and get him focused on the next shift and say, Mike, you know, hey, you know, that forget about that shift. Let's let's yeah. get go on and have a next great shift. And so he would do that. And so, you know, and so that's why again we were good for each other because, you know, he he you know, we just had a good chemistry and, and uh we you know, we were able to take each other to another level. We played against you guys. Uh, Kelly got on the ice. Or, uh, Mike got on the ice one time, and I'm yelling at him from our bench. I'm pouty little baby and all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I said it was stupid by me. It was actually stupid. The guys looked at me like, "What are you doing?" Like it's just. I guess I held. Uh, you know what it was too for me, uh, and you were this way too. The team was everything to me, right? So that old school have beers together mentality, cut each other up and block the mentality was my thing, right? So now when, when he comes in pouting, then I'm I'm offended that you know he's he's acting like that, which is stupid. Yeah, he was just. That was, he was just hard on himself, yeah. and that's yeah. again, you know, and the, I so I I knew that at uh, you know because obviously I spent a lot of time with we were roommates and things of that nature. So I I got to know the kid, and I knew yeah. you know what was going on and how to get him out of it. And so that was you know the fact that we got traded together was a good thing because you know allowed both of us to and you know to go to go to another level. But I I do think that uh, you know you're right. I I think that. Yeah, you know, a lot of things are said on the ice that are just like yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, heck, if if I if I got worried about all the nasty things that were said said on the ice, I mean, you know, you just couldn't you couldn't last in the NHL, especially at that time. Yeah, I mean, was, no, no. I'm sure it's still a lot of you know chatter going on from the benches. I mean, you know, Brian Murray was probably the the coach of the Washington Capitals. Probably he used to chirp on guys like oh. Uh, and no, coaches, yeah, and coaches usually didn't do that either, right? And no, no, he, yeah, he, he did, yeah. he did, and so it was kind of. And and of course, we've lost him too, so I don't mean to be critical, but he had the uh, the list. the list, yeah. So he would be on the, he'd come to the door of the bench and he'd stand there and start yapping at you in the bench, and we'd all start imitating him, like pretend, we'd start spitting all over the place. Like, was, like, it was, yeah, no, it's crazy times, and yeah. uh, you know, it was a different, I think, a different mentality at that time, and it was a tough league. I mean, let's, yeah. you had to be, you had to be tough to. Dude, yeah. I mean, I remember my, you know, first 
another game in uh, my first season in actual first season uh, in Philadelphia. I remember I was going up and down the ice. Uh, the Sutter brothers, both the Sutter brothers, they had two of them there. Yeah. And I can't even tell you which one it was, but yeah. he basically, as we're going uh, in front of our bench, I think he you know whacked me and. And so, you know, I was like, eh, whatever, big deal. And so, you know, but, and so the, we go to a, have a face-off and the face-off's in the neutral zone and uh, and w- my whole line is changing, okay? Ted Sater's changing. But he says, Kelly, no, you, you're going back out there. Oh. And lines tells me to line up against Sutter. So you know what he wanted me to do. It, it, yeah. And so sure enough, drop the gloves and go at it. I mean, so that, you know, it was just a different mentality and, and you – you couldn't be intimidated. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you'd be out of the league. And so yeah. I don't know if that's the case now. I think yeah. I think you can get by. I think the referees do a better job of. Yeah, like that. Like as you know, we use we use fighting and intimidation as a tactic. Right now, it's more you know guys get mad once in a while they fight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so how many years did you spend in Washington? I was there for thirteen years. Wow, yeah, that's incredible. On some really good teams too. Yeah, we had good teams and uh, made the playoffs just about every year. I think there was only one or two years that we didn't make it. Uh, so we had we had good teams. Went to the Stanley Cup Finals in '98 uh, against the Red Wings. Of course, the Red Wings were uh, just a scary team. I mean, they had so many so much talent on that team. It was crazy, and uh, and they blew us out four straight. Actually, game two we should have won. You know, we were up. 3-1, uh, Tikkanen came down, peaks the goalie, puts it through behind the goalie, Osgood, and, and out the other side, so he missed the wide-open net. They literally come back down and score on that same play, and that that kind of changed that game because that was in the third period, and so it made it 3-2, and obviously, you know, it changed the, 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 the dynamics, and they just got wrapped up, and if it would have been four one, I think we'd had a better chance, at least even in the series, because we had lost the first game and coming back to Washington. But are you still close with Mike Ridley? Do you guys still talk? You know, I haven't talked to him in a little while. I we used to talk, you know, once or twice a year, and uh, but I haven't seen him in a while. I was hope been hoping to get him back to an alumni because a bunch of guys come back to Washington for alumni sure, yeah. uh, weekends and. I'd like to get him back there because I think you know he spent you spent probably what twelve years there. He's a great player. Uh, so, how's the Caps alumni? Is it good? The Rangers have a great. It's good. Yeah, no, and and I'm actually going to play in a Rangers alumni game. I'm going to play in a Rangers alumni game and uh, coming up here in, in April 27th. April. Yeah, and so yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. Well, that's the Michigan the Michigan game. Yeah, I'll be there. Well, that's a minus six guaranteed. No, <laughs> I'll, be sitting, I'll be sitting on the bed the whole time. You know, uh, like I'm a good, I'm still a good sheep now, but I never get on the ice. So when I yeah, play one of these I don't games, either. If, it's, if, it, if I play one of these games, it's a pretty fast pace. I'll be sitting on the bed. I I have not. I mean, obviously, when I was coaching, I was on the ice all the time. And my favorite time, of my favorite part of coaching is actually playing two pass after practice with the guys that you know are haven't been playing as much or out of the lineup. I love playing two pass. And so I was actually, for a while there, I was in good in terms of keeping some skills. And then uh, I always, you know, kind of worked out off the ice. But now for the last, since I got out of coaching, I have maybe been on the ice once a year, yeah. you know, for, I don't know, I'm a year. So it, 
it'll it, it won't be pretty uh, yeah yeah unfortunately you yes. can't do what you think you can do anymore yeah. so i mean it's just it doesn't work it's, out so well i guess dino cicerelli was complaining because there's gonna be four lines he wanted three lines only uh, <laughs> I think four lines is just perfect. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I wish I had like 12 defensemen, yeah. Yeah. In 1990, because you were had a front row seat, for, this is especially important for Ranger fans, when John Drews went crazy on the Rangers in the playoffs. That's right. Yeah, Let's that's talk right. about that a little bit. Yeah, Drews on the loose. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he just got unbelievably hot. I don't I don't know what to tell you because, um, you know, he was really kind of an unknown. You think he was kind of bouncing back and forth, you know, between the minors and, and the big team and then, uh, you know, he just got came up at the the playoff time, and he was just lights out. I I I can't even explain it. He was just seemed to be in the right place at the right time, and I couldn't tell you what he was doing or how he was doing it. But man, you looked at after every game, he was on the score sheet, and it was just like crazy. So Chris Costos was like that. The Dominic Smith Pelly was like that. Remember? Yeah, right. Yeah. You should have th- 13 seasons. You became his, his assistant captain there at the Capitals. Well, right. I was assistant captain there, yeah, for uh, most of those years. And uh, it, was, it was it was great. It was good. You know, I, you know, obviously a totally different atmosphere than than the Rangers. Uh, we, it was more of a family-type atmosphere, I guess, is what I would say, uh, whereas the Rangers was, you know, you had got some guys living in the city, had some guys living up in Chattanooga. So, you know, it was kind of – but, you know, for the most part, I thought it was – more family oriented and i think it's you know that david Boyle, uh who's just a tremendous general manager um did a good job of creating that atmosphere and and just made it comfortable for the guys and the players and their wives and their families yeah one of the nicest guys in the game ever right david Boyle, the gentleman i tell you what i got a ton of respect for me he's just an amazing man and yep. uh you know i still uh try to keep in touch with him to this day because i just uh yeah just a ton of respect for everything that he did and he just he just really created a great atmosphere for us to play in there. Yeah, good, good one. You know, because you, you see sometimes these guys, like when I was an agent, I had to negotiate contracts with all these guys. Some guys would kind of play games, but with David Poyle, it was straight up. There's no game plan. I think I had the advantage of being a former player, but still, I think he treated everybody. He was straight up, but he was tough. He was yeah. very tough. I mean, I tell you what, I tried one time to negotiate my own contract with Oh, is that what I said? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just—he uh, was tough. He, he was a, you know, but you know that—that's that's his yeah. job. And I should have hired Laidlaw to help you with that. You know, I probably should have. I probably and actually, so next year I actually uh, uh, hired Tom Rich because I knew oh. I was my element, and uh, and he did a good job for me. Yeah. And I ended up, uh, oh, we ended up working out something with San Jose, but then uh, Washington. Your freedom. So you had 13 seasons. What uh, what made you retire? Uh, they just kind of start looking at you a little differently. I think, uh, you know, I had a great run there. I was 30, so I was 36, uh, maybe turned 37. Um, and uh, just, you know, I think uh, you just, the legs, uh, you start to lose just a, a step. And for me, that step meant a lot. And, uh, you know, I think I could still think the game, but you still, you know, as a winger, especially, I mean, I think you can maybe get away with a little bit as a defenseman because you're, but, you know, if you're on the four check and trying to do all that kind of stuff, you got to, and that was my whole game was, was, you know, 1,000 miles an hour. So, um, you know, that, that just was tough to do. And so, 
as much as I would have loved to keep playing, I mean, it's never easy for anybody in the NHL to, you know, call it quits, but it was, it was time. Did you make that decision at the end of the season? I, I, I did. And, uh, you know, I, we talked to a couple teams. Pittsburgh wanted me to come in for a tryout and do some stuff like that. And I was like, nah, you know, I'm just going to jump out of it. And so actually I went to, uh, I, I wanted to get into coaching. And, uh, so I, Guy Chiron was coaching the, uh, Grand Rapids Griffins, who was, uh, Ottawa's affiliate at the time. And my brother, Kevin was playing yeah, with Guy. And so I went down and met with Guy and I said, Hey, uh, you know, I'd like to get into coaching. Um, you know, you mind if I come on as just a, a volunteer assistant coach? And so he did, he brought me on and he had me working, you know, you know, the great thing about that opportunity is that you're in the block, you're in the coach's room with the coaches and you're talking strategy and you're doing all that. You're learning, you know, practice plans and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, so it was a, a great experience for me. I, uh, um, um, and then the only problem was is that you know so i i still wanted to play i mean that first year out is really tough for a player uh you know and so you know i had the itch to play but you know i was kind of done and then but what happened was is that um about the 60 game mark um we had a bunch of call-ups to ottawa because ottawa had some injuries then we had some injuries in grand rapids and they started looking around the coach's room there and said, Kelly, uh, how about you want to play? Um, and I was like, oh, boy. And so I I ended up telling them, yeah, I'll play. So I played like I – f- I figured I'd play like five games, maybe maybe ten at the most, you know, guys would get healthy. I ended up playing like 20 games, <laughs> plus playoffs. And I remember the first – so I remember the first series that 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 I played in. We were, we played a three and three against Kalamazoo, the Wings, Kalamazoo Wings, and uh, I I was like I was sitting in I remember sitting in the locker room getting dressed for the third game, thinking, "What the hell am I doing? <laughs> I mean, this this is not what I envisioned whatsoever." But I hung in there. We had a good team. We ended up going all the way to the finals that year. We lost to uh, Chicago Steel uh, in the finals. Um, so it, it was, you know. It, it's that kind of co- were you kind of coaching at the same time while you were playing? No, no. So once I, yeah, well, yeah, sort of, kind of. You know, yeah. you're, you know, you're a leader. Try to be a leader. Whatever. Right. But, uh, you know, but. You know, and I, my body was sore. My back was bugging me. I remember yeah. in the final series against the steel i mean it's just killing me I, I couldn't could not you know so it was just time it was the, the wheels were falling off and and it was time to, to to move on to something different so i i finished uh so after that year um i went and actually started coaching a junior team in lansing was in the north american hockey league and then uh um halfway through the season Guy sharon actually called me up because he got he had gone out to Anaheim, was an assistant, got the head coaching job halfway through the year, called me as to come out and be his assistant. So I did that. And then I ended up going out to Long Island with the Islanders and was uh, assistant coach with Peter LaViolette for two years. Oh. Oh. And, uh, and obviously Peter's, you know, coaching the Rangers and yeah. doing a great job. And I mean, he's just, a, you know, Peter LaViolette is a class act and a, just a terrific coach. He really So that's uh, interesting. What makes him a good coach? 
Uh, you know, I think he's, I think he's today's coach. I think he's got, you know, he's good at, um, uh, having relationship, you know, getting to know the players, uh, you know, he's tough, but not, you know, not, you know, screaming tough, you know, he's just, he's, he's demanding, but not, you know, but in the right way. And, you know, he, he just, and he's just very smart, uh, technically in terms of, you know, teaching the game and, and coming up with systems and doing all that. I mean, so he's just got all the tools and I just, you know, you know, that's where, so we were in Long Island and, and that I just remember watching the kind of the battle between Peter and, and the general manager there, because with the general manager there, he would want to come into the locker room and, you know, get ripped the guys a new butt. Was it Milbury? Yes. Oh, okay. And so, you know, just, and Peter would always stand his ground like, no, that's my locker. You know, that's, that's, these are my guys. like that. Wow. And so that's, you know, so that's the kind of guy Peter is. Peter is, you know, he's just a class act. He's just a class act. And the only bad thing though, unlike Rod Brindamore, he can't take his shirt off though. Oh, here we go. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, but once a bully, always a bully. It's a battle for all of us at the, most of us are actually. Unfortunately. Well, yeah, back when I played, I thought beer was a food group back then, so I've, I've solved that problem now, so it's been better off. Yeah. And Kelly, I wanted to ask you, we had we had John O'Gronick on, and he was raving about your brother Kevin, so I want to know, who was the best of the Miller clan? Uh, so we're all different. I, I played over 1,000 games. Kevin probably played 700-some games. Kip played 400-some games. I would say, uh, talent-wise, Kip is by, was by far the most talented of the three, uh, he won the Hobie Baker. I mean, that that kid uh, was absolutely his skills are off the charts. Okay, Kevin is probably got uh, you know is is got also got really good skills. I would say Kevin's skills are, are a little bit better than mine. Um, what I had was a work ethic. I had good skill. I had a really good work ethic, and I was fast and and powerful. You know, I just I'm built like a you know fire fire hydrant. I mean, so. You know, I had good lower body strength, and I could forecheck like crazy. I could penalty kill. Penalty killing was probably one of the things that I really excelled at. And uh, so, you know, so that those were the things that kept me in the league. And you know, I could play on the first line. You know, and a lot of times Mike Ridley and I played on the first line. As a matter of fact, it was me, Mike Ridley, and Pierre Larouche, uh, which was a really good line. Yeah. Um, at the in the playoffs, at and you know when we went. That, that was the year they sent Pierre to, per, to Hershey at the start of the year, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I sent he uh, he did, and and so probably the the biggest mistake I, I probably ever made in my life. One of them I've made lots, but um, is uh, so uh, Pierre. They sent Pierre to the the minors, and they came to me and said I was wearing like number forty, and they said you want to take number ten. I was like, I don't sure. Ooh that was a bad mistake. So, because I remember the first, first game that, that I wore number 10 was actually in New Jersey. And I remember this Ranger fan, Pierre LaRouche fan came up to me and gave me, she, she gave me the business. I mean, unbelievable. And so that, that, if I had to do that over again, I wouldn't do that. Um, yeah. And that's, that's clearly Teddy Cedar trying to play game. That was a dumb mistake by me. I should have said, yeah. no, I didn't. But Cedar, really Cedar, think about it. Yeah, but Cedar knew what he was doing. Cedar was yeah. trying to do that. He wanted yeah. to try to take control of the team from the old guys, you know. And yeah, so, so you know, so you, you you live and learn, and uh, you know. Uh, but 
the 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 cool thing actually was that Pepper came back, Pierre came back to uh, you know to the team, and he played on the line with me and Mike Ridley. And I tell you what, there was some chemistry there because yeah. Pierre Larouche can score like any yeah. nobody's business. I mean, and I couldn't tell you where I could tell you that Pierre was going to be open, and so. Yeah. So Mike Ridley and I, we started the year with the Rangers and we played with Mark Osborne. Well, Mark Osborne was, you know, great kid, uh, hard worker, big body, uh, good four checker. But Mike, uh, Mark Osborne was just, was kind of like Mike and I, uh, we, yeah. you know, we we're hard workers. All three of us were hard workers. So we could spend a lot of time in the other team's zone, but we couldn't put the puck in the net worth of, you know, I, you know, that's not my thing. Mike could do it to a better extent to me, but you know, Mark, that wasn't his thing. He was a worker. But when they put Pierre LaRouche on there, holy smoke. So said all of a sudden Mike and I would be doing our thing in the corners and around the net. And all of a sudden there's Pierre wide open. Yeah. Boom, yeah. give it to him. It's in the net. Yeah. And you know, and, and so, uh, you know, so you just really appreciate guys like that and the talent that they have and the ability to get open. Um, you know, there it makes it for two workers like Mike and I. It was really fun to play with Pierre. Did he say anything about the number? No, no, yeah. no. He was really actually very good about yeah. it. I don't think it really. You know, Pierre not a lot bothered yeah. Pierre. I don't think. I mean, you know, it's just if he ran out of red red wine, he had a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's just he was great. I mean, that was a great run, and and yeah. everybody bought in, and everybody was pulling the same way, and and it was. You know, it's unfortunately, uh, you know, we just ran up. Patrick, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Kelly, well, listen, uh, it's interesting to have that conversation going back when you came up, right? With that old school mentality and uh, what you guys had to go through, right? Because I had apologized, Tom, apologize. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I, there's a lot, like, but see, man, at what? the time, again, another one of these things at the time when we went through it, we're thinking, yes, no, we're correct. This, they shouldn't be acting like this. This is how the NHL is. But looking back at it, it's ridiculous. You, you could do whatever you should have be able to do whatever you want to do, but we're we're a bunch of old muttheads. So. It just made us it made us tougher. I mean, yeah. I I think you know I just you know I survived it and uh, worked through it, and yeah. you know I, I think that uh, obviously the league now is totally different. And, yeah, you know a lot of the stuff that went on then doesn't go on because it just can't because yeah. your body can't take can't. You know, the, the, these guys are today are such good shape and such, yeah. and you know, just take care of their bodies and their minds. And I remember what, talking to Ryan, uh, my cousin. And, you know, he's got a ment- he had a mental, you know, uh, mental strength coach. You know, and you know, just all these, you know, had nutritionists. I mean, you think of, and, and like his own personal, you know, and so that's just, you know, that's next level. And yeah. uh, whereas we didn't. We didn't. We weren't thinking a whole lot about that. I mean, our young guys were starting to think about that, and that's where. But the the older players, I, I remember training camp. Shoot, the guys would come in and they were they were out of shape, and they were because they were like, okay, we're here for training camp. We're gonna, now we're going to get in shape, and we're like, man, we've been training like all summer long. So yeah. it's just was different. Definitely, definitely. I, uh, wife, kids, where you at with family? I've got three daughters, uh, two live in the New York city area, one on Long Island. Uh, my youngest is in, uh, in right in Manhattan. Uh, she lives in the South side of Manhattan, works for an ad agency. Um, and then I got a daughter out in Montana. I actually had three in New York city at one time. And then they, 
my middle one, she, uh, during COVID and all that stuff. And she was like, I got to get out of here. And so she, she went direct opposite. She went to, you know, uh, the mountains and, and outdoors. And I don't, you know, she's very much in a much happier place. now. So wow. Very cool. cool. Let's go. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, Kelly, great to see you again. I really mean this very seriously. When I say this to you, you were one of those guys. I put Dallas Drake in the same category. I think when you look back at your career, you can say to yourself, man, I got a lot out of my career, right? I mean, the pure work ethic and, uh, very uh, proud to play with you for a short period of time, but at least we could. Yeah. You know, so, and again, thank you very much for being on the show. You're, you're a good man. Yeah, no, I appreciate, uh, you guys having me on. It's, uh, I, I, I always had a ton of respect for you, Tom, and all the veterans. I mean, you know, just look at, you know, I look at that locker room, Greshner and Beck and, and, yeah. you know, you go through the, I mean, uh, you know, man, oh man, Pavlich was there at that time yeah. and he's, it was just yeah. kind of, uh, you know, Van Beesburg was my roommate uh, the first year. I mean, just, uh, just great guys. And, uh, you know, uh, just kind of some, had some different, yeah, in different places in our careers and, and things yeah. of that nature. But it, we managed to put it all together for yeah, you know, that, that playoff drive. And, and that yeah. was really cool. Yeah, it was too. Good to see you again, Kelly. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Thanks, guys. Kelly. Thanks, right. you have a good one. The apology was enough on your redemption tour. It was kind of a weak, weak sauce apology, but uh, I think Kelly Miller's okay. Yeah, I, you know what? I hate to admit it, but you're probably you're probably right. I hate to admit it, but you know, he was a different generation. You guys were the old Canadian guys who just would take the five weeks of training camp to get in shape, and he was coming in already ready to go right out of college. Him and Mike Riddle, his work ethic, and he talked about it too, and he's very proud of it. He should be. His work ethic was uh, second to none. He just did, and he's, I hope I said this the right way. He he probably would have played anyways. He's good enough. He was very humble. Yeah. But his work ethic is really yeah, great on the four check, always defensively responsible, just a really good, really good solid, kind of like almost like you, but as a forward, you know, dependable. Yeah. He's not going to make yeah. mistakes, and he's and the fact show. that he's he's going to take on these tough guys, which is crazy. The jump Jay West yeah. for fighting in the NHL. I, I, yeah, that was interesting. Telling that story, how he said, "I'll get me into a fight every ten every ten games, get in a fight." That so what are you, you what are you thinking when you see him going up with Jay Wells? You're like, what is this kid doing? Yeah, no question. Yeah, I, I think okay. He probably doesn't understand how tough G Well is, you know. And uh, but he could, he could. Yeah, but, uh, no, I get to say he he is one of those guys again. Man, he got a lot out of his career. It's funny story too. We told about it when the day he got treated when Phil Spezia said, "I'll let you guys." <laughs> Good news, bad news. And as a, a you know young Ranger fan, a teenager Ranger fan, that one was devastating because we're like, man, what is he doing? You know, Bobby Carpenter. Yes, he scored fifty, but it was Ridley and Miller. Like that was the two young guys you had on the team. You could you could argue that both those guys were as good as Bobby Carpenter at that time too. And but what did Bobby Bobby missed the season before in a contract holdout or something? I think he had held out and then but he had scored fifty. Maybe Phil loved yeah. that. He was a Boston kid, yeah. you know. But yeah. like when you traded those two, like wow, they just they really he fought, he screwed the pooch right there, you know. He really did. And look at that. They went on to have incredible careers and Bobby Carpenter. Phil was really I look back at it, how Phil was really trying to change the culture. Like he didn't like that, you know, that Kelly Miller college kid. player that was yeah, he wanted to beer drinking guys still, you know, and he changed the team all around again. And that was the side. You look back at those uh, seasons with the Rangers, and the one thing, and we've all talked about it too, that wish they just didn't change the around so much, you know, it's always yeah. changing general manager. You look at the Islanders across the, yeah, there. Well, that was even uh, worse. Well, yeah, they they lose in 79 to the Rangers. Oh, you're talking about the good Islanders, yes. Not yeah, the little bit around. Yeah. Yeah, so they lose in 79 to the Rangers. They make uh, one or two changes, and the Rangers made, I don't know, like Barry Bechtry, who fantastic player, which is one five guys. Yeah. 
16 yeah. Islanders won all four Cubs, Tom. That's an incredible stat that I don't think that'll yeah. be repeated. And that's just oh, that says a lot about Al Arbor and Bill Joe Corey. Yeah. yeah. They really they say, okay, we know the culture that we want to have yep. here. We've got the guys who fine tune things a little bit. But, yeah. but that's it. I mean, that was 16 guys. It's incredible. But um, I did want to talk about that trade because that, that was so devastating because after Miller, they get Carpenter and then they trade you and Carpenter for half of Marcel Dion. So you figure, you figure the. Ridley, so Ridley, Miller, Carpenter, and Laidlaw for Marcel Dion, who's like 20. Wow, that's just, that that one hurts. I mean, that's, that would really. It is. Interesting. It, like, you know what? I don't think I've ever looked at it that way, but that's true. Miller, Ridley, Carpenter, and Laidlaw for Marcel Dion is like 50 years old. Yeah, no, now Marcel Dion is a, you know, one of the greatest players of all yeah. time, 700 goals, but yeah. 37 year old Marcel Dion at the end yeah. of his career, and he still put up 30, but still, you're, you're traded for like a leg of him. and you know, Ridley and Miller for like an arm and none of Carpenter for the rest. So <laughs> why that one really hurt. Bobby Carpenter, apparently now he's a fantastic person. He helped some, some neighbor had a son or daughter that was in a wheelchair or whatever. And he ran some race. Wheelchair, uh, so he's done some fantastic things. He's a great yeah. family and everything, but he wasn't, um, his reputation was not good. Like, so when he got traded here, the guys didn't like him. Uh, and was it that same season he got traded? Seemed, I think it was, yeah, or maybe yeah. the very next. But it seems like you guys, because you mentioned this when we had Brian Lawton on, it seems like you guys just hated American high school kids. No, it, we, it really wasn't the American high school thing. It was it was more of a... He's on the cover of Sports yeah. Illustrated, is that what it is? Well, you know what it is? We, we talked about it on the show here with Kelly, that uh, we were that old school, yep. this is the way we do it mentality. We'll not change it. And, and again, it served us well because that stubbornness, you know, saying we're not changing it. But to, oh, up, back to it, point, up to a point, it served you. Well, no, in our mind, it served us perfectly. Right. But looking back at it in retrospect, it's easy to say, well, smart enough. I mean, kids, kids are drinking milk and you're yelling at them because they're drinking yeah. milk. And, you know, how dare they take care of their bodies? Let's corrupt yeah. them. You know? Oh, terrible. I remember Robbie Fattori came to the team. He got down to uh, the floor and started stretching at Playland. And we're all looking at it like, what is that all about? <laughs> yeah, well ahead of his time. So, so now you get, so he gets traded and I think Phil just didn't like Bobby Carpenter because I think he expected him to come here and score 50 goals. He didn't yeah. do that. And he shipped him out with yeah. you. And that was, yeah. the, uh, was the end of that trade. And then we did, did the show with Phil, we did the show with Phil one time, the live show we did with Grester and uh, Malone yeah. and that. And we talked about all the trades and uh, we said to Phil, like, well, what was your logic in all the trades? I remember he traded me and he says, well, the guys I didn't like, uh, I traded them as far away as possible. And I'm thinking, I said to him, I said, Phil. I thought we were yeah. friends. You trade me as far away as possible. There's no way. The only else is Vancouver. That'd be the only other one you go oh. to. Oh, God. That's funny. But yeah, but you know, Kelly Miller had a great career. He was a, yeah. just a solid player. Every day we, you know, in those playoffs in 90, we watched him with the Capitals. And we're like, should be with the Maples. Him and Ridley both. Yeah. Good team guy, too. Really like um, him talking about Mike Ridley, how he helped him and he knew he was down to the double. Yeah. And that's truly who he was. Like he showed up. You, you know, there's a few players that have, and sometimes they have bad games or whatever. When he played, came to play, he pretty much knew every game was going to be the same thing all the time. He was going to play the same way. Yeah, and it seems like he he was the one telling Mike Ridley, like when those you know knucklehead defensemen at the end of the bench yelling at Mike Ridley, you know, to to, to smile or not be so down. He was like, "Hey, you got this, you got this." So good oh on him. I, I I look back to that stuff like, what was I thinking? And poor Mike Ridley, he was a good kid. Mike Ridley was such a good kid too, and I was that. Yeah, you weren't thinking. You were just going. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> the redemption tour continues on episode eighty four. <laughs> and if, if you like what you heard today, please you know share, give us a review, tell your friends, you know, do anything, you know, shout it from the mountaintops. And if you need Tom to come speak at your event, or sing. if you want him to help you birth a cow, right? We said that last yeah. show. What else can you do? You, you can dance, sing, you can dance, sing, cook, cook. cook. That makes mean sourdough bread. I might get some sourdough bread too. I just I made my first loaf today. 
There you go. What a process. We always have a whole show on the whole process of making sourdough bread. You got to make sourdough starter and everything. No, you probably shouldn't. You probably, you know, your one minute Facebook show, that's perfect time for that. Time lapse it. But if you want Tom on your, at your event, uh, email fullchangepodcast at gmail.com. And if you like what you're hearing, tell everybody about it. I love you, Mike Ridley. There you go. All right, grasshoppers. Thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. They're ubiquitous, Tom. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Go ahead. Ubiquitous? Ubiquitous. 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 And that means what? It's everywhere. Oh, okay. <laughs>